Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. And today I'm delighted to have Chris back with me as well. For those that don't know me, uh, Chris is Mr. IPRAC. You will have heard on the show that we are sponsored by IPRAC plenty of times. So we have Chris and he's also obviously the CEO of AS Events, which is a huge short-term rental business down in Cannes with a very unique business model indeed, a uh, one that I'm sure most of us will be very envious of. Uh, 20 years in the making, but I'm I'm pretty sure I don't really need to introduce who Chris is because he's been on many podcasts and he, and, and he hangs out on LinkedIn a lot. So, But Chris, uh, today we're going to talk about, I think, just the change in landscape of the STR industry because uh, I think we had it changed after COVID and I do think it's changing again a bit and um, sort of what people need to be aware of. So I think we'll kind of dive straight in. Um, if anyone does have any questions whilst we are live, just pop them in the comments in the Facebook feed and I will pick them up and we'll get them answered for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, what's um, what's going on in your world? How do you see it changing? And we can kind of bounce from there, I think, really. Yeah, well, yeah, I think you're right in terms of when you say about like, you know, covid like turned turned the industry on its head so that's for sure but I think we're seeing like a different understanding of the landscape now because you know that the, I think the market's so much more saturated you know where you know there's obviously the listings of on OTAs have increased quite dramatically so like compared to actual you know guests looking to book accommodation so I think a lot of people if they're honest with themselves they're probably seeing a a shortfall in the number of bookings that they're actually getting from the OTAs. Yeah. That's probably leaving people with a little bit of a concern. And and to me, it's all about the fact that there's just far too much inventory, you know, on the market, you know. So that's causing like, you know, so much problems for for operators because they're just not getting any market shares. Like it's spread out. And what yeah. we see, what we see is we see all of these like positive you know stats coming out of airbnb saying that you know they're increasing their you know their profits and their turnover and, it, and which is quite normal if they're in if they're increasing inventory you know what i mean because they don't care whether luke stays or or, or brandon stays gets their you know maximum profit they just want as many bookings as possible so they're quite happy for it to be spread out you know yeah. what i mean but for but for an operator who's been like say operating for like three or four years, you're kind of thinking, well, 2019 prior to COVID, you were sending me, you know, an average of like I don't know 20 bookings a month. During COVID, it went down obviously, but now coming out of COVID, it's like we're not getting any better. But that's yeah. not because of the market; that's because of the saturation. So I think a lot of people are looking at it thinking, how do I navigate? through this new reliant of, of OTAs. And we've already alluded to that on many occasions, you know, like being on an OTA and being reliant on like, you know, 70% plus is dangerous. Yeah, for sure. It's it, it's it's dangerous to the to the degree of you know you've got no control over your business and now you're seeing the you know minimum rentals coming in. And then you've got property owners to pay or, or rents to pay, and you're not seeing the business model kind of do like doing what it should be doing, you know. So I think there'll be a lot of concern in the market in terms of operators, just if they're honest with themselves. You know, I know we see a lot of fake 
fake media out there saying that we're, you know, we're, you know, we're smashing it, but I just don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, you're, you're dead right. I mean, it's kind of like a load of keys were given back during COVID and probably post COVID because people couldn't make it work then, you know, we've gone through maybe 12 months or so. And then obviously the shiny penny syndrome is coming back with the, the sort of short-term mental industry and everyone wants to get involved in it again. But I, I think, you know, and I've kind of been through this myself where the lower performance stock, just the margins just aren't there to ride out the rough, the rough patches. So you've got to kind of just say, well, we don't, we don't need that. It's just a number, but it's a number that's not doing anything for us. Let's just get rid of it. Um, or the investment required to get that to a higher standard to try and increase that profit, um, you know, isn't, isn't worth the while. So I think, I think one way to tackle this whole issue is, you know, you've got to try and separate yourself for sure and try and, you know, fight for that booking and become, you know, the best possible at at getting that booking. But I think for me, it's definitely been a case of looking at the higher margin stock. So what's working for us, Um, you know, typically for us, it's it's larger properties at the minute, you know, four, five, six bed properties rather than your, your two beds. Don't get me wrong. I've got, it depends on location, you know, obviously, Two beds over here in Dubai work, you know, well because Dubai's built on, around apartments. Effectively, you know, that's kind of what everyone does and stays in. But um, you know, in certain areas, I think you've got to choose the type of stock that you want to maximize your profit from. Because then, in the down months, you can swallow a bit more pain. Uh, or if the market is going through these saturation waves, then obviously again, you're still going to get enough of a share to make to make profit. But I think. On the flip side, or some positive news um, around kind of, I guess, what what you've just stated about the saturation is, I think that the market flows in and out quite um, volatile. It's quite volatile. So, you know, as I said, we saw in COVID, a lot of people coming out. That meant it was easy for us because we stayed with it and therefore there's less, there's less demand, uh, there's less supply. And I think, especially in the UK now, with the utility crisis going on and the bill, I mean, we've had some horrendous bills, but, you know, we're on it. We're speaking to the the companies, we're asking them what they're for. Sure enough, it's a misread or it's this or that or the other. But if you're not on top of that stuff, it's going to quite easily sink you very quickly because it's taken your profit margins out. And similarly, this new air cover, which I know I keep banging on about with Airbnb and how much of a farce it is, but... You know, if if you've got a four five hundred quid booking, and then a guest stays, and I do think air covers bred this mentality that you can stay for free. People know how they can get around that air cover and get a free stay, and they are exploiting it. Only a small percentage, but that small percentage can make a huge difference to your profit line. You only need one of them a month to claim that five hundred quid back, and then you get hit with a resolution fee. If you're on like a, a rent to rent strategy. That's probably mm-hmm. profit margin gone in one booking. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, you don't need to do anything that wrong to be hit with this air cover. And, you know, it's, well, yeah. And and for me, it's like, I think there's, there's kind of the utilities, people too reliant on the air cover and getting hit with these, these sort of resolution payments. Effectively, I think they'll end up leaving the market. And again, I think the supply will drop and then that that side, yeah. you know, that remains. So I think the good news is if you stick with it and do the job right, then you can definitely maneuver around this. Um, but I do think uh, you know, the, the, the next the next few months, especially in the UK, I think um 
are going to be tricky. I think December and January has been quite tricky. But we were talking, you know, before, this isn't a month-by-month game, and I think that's what people have to get their head around. It's it's a 12-month game. You look at it after 12 months and say, how much have we made out of each unit? Is that unit worth keeping on, yes or no? You're going to have your cash flow swings, and I think you need to you need to prepare yourself for that and, and you need to be able to um, to cash flow yourself through it all. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know, you, you mentioned something there before, you know, and, and I talk a lot about, you know, making sure that people have got like their IPP, which is like making sure that like individual property performance. And I think a lot of people aren't looking at the IPP at all, right? They look at their business thinking, how much did we make? How much did we make this month? against you know how much of our ex, you know ex, you know income versus expenditure mm. but what they're not doing is they're lo- not looking at the ipp which is the in, you know individual property performance because where one may be performing very high you know and that's like you know that stands out as a real high performer another one may be performing really really low but you're not really you're not really concerned too much about it because the higher property is covering at back so at the end of the month, you're looking at it thinking, okay, we've earned like 50,000 pounds, euros, whatever this month. And our expenditures being like 40. So we've earned 10, like yeah. just out, out of, you know, but if you look at it from a, from like an IPP point of view, it's like out of the 15, 20 properties that you're managing, you need to be able to identify who's, how, which, which one's performing at what rate, you know, because sometimes you might, I mean, you'll know, you might have a property that is high performance and low maintenance. You know, it's like, wow, fantastic, great location, high, you know. So all of a sudden it's like, a, that's like a premium property on your books. Yeah. And then you might have another one that might be high performing, but it's it's like, there's a lot of maintenance to complete in it, you know. There's a lot of charges against it. So if you can't see how each individual property under your management is performing, you can't really see how well your business is performing. You know, I mean, we manage like 200, just short of 250 properties here in Cannes. Every, our like database, like on our back office, we can see how every property performs in terms of revenue, expenditure, maintenance, you know, rates, charges. So each property, we can send the owner a quite, you know, like a form, like a form that basically shows them how their property is performing. Yeah. And I think if you're not doing that, you're leaving yourself open for like, like one day just falling off a cliff. If you know, you know, because you're not, you're not seeing like, you're not looking at it going, this property's, and I didn't really perform well that month or that month or that month. We need, we really need to consider getting rid of this and replacing it with a high, another property similar to this one, because this one's proven to be high, you know, like a high performer. So you've got to be able to work out that. Each property should be on the IPP, you know, in individual property performance. If you're not doing that, that's a big problem in 2023. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, but we I would advise yeah, anybody to do that. Yeah, sure. I, I actually have we have a problem property meeting once a month where we drill down into, you know, probably a list of 2025 of like properties that we think have underperformed. And then sure enough, if if there's a property that's on the list several months in a row, then that's when you start like really digging into it and going, right, you know, let's actually drag the reviews out of this property. Can it be fixed or is it just fundamentally yeah. the market's not there? Or, you know, is it just a case that 
you know, there's some maintenance that might be major. We need to shut down for a bit and just get it sorted. Or is it basically, is it savable or not savable? And if it's not savable, you know, you've got to cut the cord and get out of it. You know, even if it costs you a couple of months rent or whatever it might be, there's always ways and means to get out of these things. So, um, you know, or you have to say, right, can we save it in a different way by, you know, driving some extra, you know, bookings at it and just trying to get it to a break-even position until the contract's finished or whatever it might be, you know. So, but I think as you say, and, and it does surprise me how many times I, you know, uh, mentor people and they just don't, allocate costs against every single property they don't allocate the bookings against every single property yeah, don't do IPPs. how do you know what's working what's not working you might be making 10 grand a month but you you know in the example you shared before but you could actually be making 25 if you got rid of the mm -hmm. five properties that are really bleeding you dry each and every month but and, it's all in the, it's it's having the systems that can create the data yeah, and I mean, that, that's that's the real that's the that's the key factor here because you can talk about being able to sit in a meeting like you can, and say right, let's show me the data on the on the on the on our, on twenty five properties, and you can look at that data and go, well, that's a concern. Mm. You know, you can see it with it, like you don't need to like you're not rumming around in the weeds for hours and hours and hours trying to find the problem. You can see the con the properties that that should that you should be concerned about, and I think. This all comes back to how you manage your business in terms of your systems so that you need to input the systems into your business, whether you've got one property, three property or 50, that you can look at it and be able to see the IPP on each on each property and being able to look at it and manage it that way. And I think people don't have the systems to be able to create the data for them you to be able to study the data to make the right decisions. Do you know yeah. what I mean? That's the problem I think, that people don't have. That's yeah, problem. I mean, I think, um, you know, if you think about it, for the probably majority of people listening to the podcast and also, you know, just the majority of hosts, they probably have less than 15 properties. Mm. You know, that, that is, that, that's, that's kind of the core number. And, you know, realistically, 15 properties, you could actually probably put every single payment that goes in and out your bank account onto a spreadsheet against each property and manage that yourself to still give you that information. There are other ways and means to do it with systems and processes to make it a hell of a lot slicker and more efficient. But yeah. worst case scenario, you should be able to put every bit of spend and every income from that property onto a spreadsheet and go, that's the profit and loss each month. And I think too many, um, you know, too many people get into this industry thinking it's like uh, it's just a, a host of property or a host my room or whatever it's like it's not like if you go any more than two or three units really it's a business and if it's a business it needs an accountancy department you know and whether that's you at the beginning which it will be you know but as it grows you need help on that front but you know if you don't know where your, your money's going in and out and where you're you know making money losing money and because you will lose money like you know, you take 10 properties on, not all 10 are going to be fantastic, you know, and no, that's no, the, thing, no. the, the biggest thing. If you get it right, you can probably make the worst ones break even or just a tiny profit, you know, and then obviously your good ones are making good money. It's very rare if you get it, if you get it right, it's very rare that you get so many yeah. that are losing fortunes each month. Absolutely. But again, it's like getting it right is all about experience for one, but also at the same time, it's like, so many people in this in this industry they they seem to like focus on one major aspect of the business and forget about everything else 
right? And that's where a lot of people, you know, fail in 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 building the business the right way because they're just all of a sudden they're, they're you know they put the accounts on hold. Like I'm, I don't care about that right now, right? So they put it all to one side. All I'm interested in right now is driving traffic or getting as many inquiries as possible, as many buttons as possible. And that's fine to a degree, but you have to be able to, whether you're a one-man band or you've got three people or you've got more, your business has still got to be structured out. So it's like maybe on Monday, you're going to you're going to look at doing marketing on the business. Tuesday, you're doing accounts. Wednesday, you're doing something else. But you've got to look at your five key areas that that business needs to be constantly improving in. Yeah. Because if it's not then you're not managing the business the right way, you know, and, and you will all of a sudden just hit a brick wall and fall off the cliff, as I say, because yeah. something's going wrong in the business that you're not managing the accounts properly. So, okay, so I'm going to allocate Friday to, to go to do accounts and update, you know, balance the, balance the account out to allocate where the payments have gone to for which property, for what, for how, and that, that's done. Thursday is a different, you know, a different task. Wednesday is another task. But you're constantly building all of the areas. It's like holding all of them five main balls in the air, juggling them up, not yeah. leaving four on the floor and concentrating on one. Because the, yeah. the other four on the floor is going to be your downfall. So yeah. you've, got to, you've got to plan your week out in terms of, like, what are my five key areas to make this business work? And we all know accountancy is one of them. Okay, marketing's another one, ops is another one. So even if you start with them three, it's like what days are you going to allocate to them? And when you're on one, you're not on the other. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of people just tend to spend like two weeks on marketing. It's like two weeks on marketing, what's happened to the ops? What's happened to the finance? So all of a yeah. sudden you can catch up on that. And then the so for me, like when you think about how people are gonna get through 2023 you've got to go back to basics of running a business yeah. and i think what you just said is that some people just don't see it as a business and they just see it as hosting but like you say it's not just hosting it is a business and you have to run it like one so i would advise people to really have a look at the business and look to structure it better so that it can grow because that's the only way it's going to grow yeah, it's going to grow as if it's structured. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think uh, we've got a question from Chris here about minimum profit. You know, saying you know, what should your minimum profit be on a on a property? I mean, I've I've got my thoughts, but what are yours? Well, it depends. I mean, that's like how long's a piece of string? I mean, that's a real, you know, what what is the property? I mean, how much you're paying for the property? Well, you know, there's so many variables to consider, but I mean. For me, you've got to be working on a on a thir minimum thirty percent, you know, you know, net like net profit margin, so that you can clear thirty percent every on that property after everything's gone in and everything's gone out. Minimum. Yeah. But that again depends whether you own the property, whether you're, you know, it, it depends on the contract you have on the property. What what's the terms? But I think you've you've if you're not earning minimum thirty percent then I don't see where where your business is going to have any profit. Yeah, yeah. I think I think obviously numbers-wise, given like probably thinking from like a service accommodation, more than likely a rent-to-rent -rent type model, I would imagine, knowing Chris and knowing the question, is um, so 
I, I and this changed for me. So at the beginning, it was almost like because at the beginning, you're kind of just almost trying to build something to get yourself financially free so that you can quit your jobs, which is in the UK about two and a half to three and a half grand a month. So, you know, if you can take on, you know, 10 units that are making 350 quid a month, well, that 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 kind of ticks that box for you and it, it, it provides that income for you. And whilst you're going to have to do a lot of work for that 350 quid and the margin might only be, say, 10% or 15%, but you're running it by yourself, then that kind of works. But I think as you scale and you start adding team members, you start getting additional costs, then, you know, I think you you also realise that, you know, looking after 10 properties that make three and a half grand or looking after one property that makes three and a half grand, it's still easier to look after the one. You've got less guests going through, you've got less hassle, you need less cost to, to make that type of money. But then again, that type of stock might not be as available as say like the cheaper units that are making the 350 quid net profit a month. So I think you've got to kind of not only, you know, you're writing what you're saying about your 30% profit margin. I think you've also got to look at it from like, what position are you in as a business right now? Yeah. To, to like what that yeah. profit margin There's too many be. moving parts. There's too many moving parts to be able to pinpoint like what should be the minimum profit on a property because it's just this, like I said, too many moving parts. But I mean, all, there's also ways of looking at like a, like a property and saying, right, what does this property cost me, and how many nights at what rate do I need to rent it to to get to my break even point? Like, is it sixteen nights? Is it eighteen nights? Is it twenty nights? And then, like, once you know that you've hit twenty nights, then you're moving into profit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I know that some people look at it in the terms of like, I need to make sure that each property is on a break minimum on a break even point with on no more than 20 nights. Do you know what I mean? You, you can't be breaking even on like 25, 26, 27 nights. No, you're not. Do you know what I mean? So you've got to find a way of like, what is my break even point at the right rate at an affordable rate that's like, that's not, people aren't coming saying that's too high and find it cheaper elsewhere. So finding that like that affordable rate, that's the correct rate for that particular property and location and size. And then, yeah. and then re-engineering it to work out how many nights you need at that rate to break even. And then as soon as you hit that 16, 16 nights, you know that you've got, you've got another 16 nights in the, you know, another 40 nights in the month. So any, anything booked in them 40 nights is like, it's profit. Yeah. And your job is to look, but again, you have to go back to making sure that you've got systems implemented so that you can look at the IPP, you know, your individual property performance, because these are all the, the little details that you need to know on a specific property, because that way you know whether you can discount it as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, no, all I, of these I, different I, aspects that come into play. But knowing, knowing your numbers is like, is, uh, you know, it's key. Well, it's, every, it's everything really, isn't it, to the business? Oh, like yeah. You, you, you kind of you can't run a business without knowing i mean i say it all the time like there's a couple of things i've done is one i taught myself how to write spreadsheet formula and mm -hmm. it's been one of the best skill sets i've probably ever learned and it you know yeah all right it took a bit but practice and you just keep using it and using it and yeah. you know you can teach yourself it quite easily but then you can put together like i've got these spreadsheets that basically give me a lot of insight at any time based on you know bookings what our you know direct booking percentage is, how much commission we're spending on Airbnb, 
you know, what elements of the business are bringing what in, in what month, what forward bookings have we got? You know, it's got all sorts of different data, but it's all just pulled from a data dump of our booking data. And then the rest of the spreadsheet takes care of itself. So I taught myself how to write that formula. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And that allows me that, that that's like my Bible. It's I, I'm in it every day, you know, and, and everything's linked to it. <laughs> and 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 it and it, it's worked. Obviously, it's worked well for me. And I think I I think also then you know just teaching yourself how to read a balance sheet, understand a profit and loss statement, and you know I ideally just you know I was doing it today, you know, going through the account software with with the accountants and just having a look at stuff and drilling down on uh, you know age receivables and you know age payables and what's coming in this week what's going out this week and you know and just knowing where you're at with stuff and sometimes it's just a case of um because i think a lot of people as well have this misconception that because it's airbnb and because it's booking.com they just pay you for mm. every booking you know at the end of the day they have a human accounts department behind the scenes as well and you know they are you know airbnb for example paid us 1200 quid an error and took 1124 back the other day so it's like well how does a huge organization like that pay you incorrectly well because it happens you know and um i think you have to be able to have a process in place that you know tracks every booking in make sure that every booking is actually paid you know it's the same you know stripe will say they've sent you a payout but then you know stripe's obviously i think stripe more reliable than the booking channels but still yeah. You've got to make sure that money's actually hit your bank account. Well, you still got to control it all. You can't just yeah. assume that it's all going to go to plan. You've got to still do your own due diligence. It's like me. I don't let my accountant do our accounts. We do them together. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. the same with that when I go and speak to my lawyer. I'm, I'm, I'm like asking the questions to the lawyer. Well, why are you doing it that way? Why don't we do it like this? I prefer to do it like this. It, just because he's a lawyer doesn't mean he knows better. It just yeah. means he knows the system. But, it, it, but at the same time, when you're looking at like Airbnb, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking about like where people are today, like and trying to map out what, how to improve in 2023. I think I think people should really like delve in and do like a full due diligence test on Airbnb as a, as a booking platform and where the pros and the cons are. Right. Because I think so many people just think that it's automatically like tick, 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 tick. You know, it's all good, you know, but I think if you actually sit down and go through the due diligence, do some due diligence on it and see where it's where it's affecting your business, affecting the growth of your business, affecting the future of your business and do some real kind of like investigation, if you want to call it on, on Airbnb as a, as a platform and how it's how it's working for you as a business, you'll probably find that there's so many negatives towards, like you, you alluded to a couple before, you know, this air cover. It's like, so now, now you accept a booking. I mean, I mean, I don't use Airbnb, so correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm if I'm going completely off piece to you, right? But you you receive a booking, confirmation from Airbnb, but you don't get any money yet. Oh, you get paid first day after this checked in. Right. Okay. So my my issue with this first point is very difficult to run a PL on mm -hmm. when you turn around and saying, right, okay, in the first of February, I've just took a nine grand booking for two weeks in August. Yeah. Right. But you're not but you haven't got any deposit for it. Airbnb are holding that money, right? 
So you're telling you're blocking off your calendar for them two weeks without any with not one euro in your account. So you're blocking off two premium weeks of the mm. year, depending on where you operate, without without one euro in your account, right? Then you've got to take into consideration the cancellation policy. Yeah. Right. So that could like two weeks prior to the arrival date that was guest decides to cancel, right? Okay, now what? Airbnb accept it, inform you. All of a sudden you've got them them two weeks that you've refused multiple bookings on because you've already got a, a booking. Yeah. Is now available when now it's not even premium cost because it's last minute. But then you've also got the now added caveat with Airbnb is if that guest actually does arrive and you get the nine grand, but then he decides there's a spider in the bath and he doesn't yeah. like the spear, then, then yeah. which is actually worse because then not only have you lost the dates because he can complain 72 hours after his two weeks stay yeah. and effectively get the whole wedge back. So you, you're, left, yeah. you, so, you're just out of pocket. And this is what I'm saying, like why I just cannot. That's what I'm saying. Can't live That's on that like, like, where do these people, if you look at it like that, where, how can people look at it and go, yeah, they're being busy, is, is a great tool for us. I'm not saying not use it, but what I'm saying is look at it and say, how, how can this really be a, a huge benefit for my business moving forward? Yeah. Right. I'm not saying that you don't start with Airbnb because when you start, it's very difficult to attract bookings on your own because you don't have a, a direct booking strategy you don't have any reputation you don't have any trust you don't have a many you don't have a lot of things <laughs> so you do need to rely on airbnb my problem with people for 2023 is that they're still not thinking about working on reducing the OTA reliance yeah that's the biggest problem that people are going to have by the end of 2023 when they're still sitting there going, I'm not understanding how I'm not making any money. I'm not understanding how I'm not growing. I'm not understanding this business very well. It's purely because of the OTA reliance that, you, that you're relying on, you know? So you have to sit there and, and, and I don't want to turn around to people and say, stop using Airbnb, try to build a direct booking website. That's easy to say, right? That's just too easy to say. I'm saying to people, you sit down, and do a list of pros and cons and really be honest about where Airbnb are. And then you, I think you'll come to your own result after you've done that in-depth in, in kind of investigation that you will need to be reducing your, your OTA reliance because it's risky business and it's not guaranteed. Yeah. Because if you're on a direct booking and somebody pays that, like if somebody books that nine grand, you're taking 30% booking, right? 30% booking deposit. And you've got terms and conditions in place that you control. Yeah. So that person's going to then turn around and say, listen, if I, I so I can cancel up to six weeks. Yes. Because that way you're going to lose the 30%, which means I can, I've got six weeks to rent it for the same days. And I can use that 30% to discount it. So I don't lose. Yeah. But that's because you control the situation. That's yeah. as simple as that, you know. When you when you're relying on Airbnb with all of your bookings and all of these Airbnb confirmations, they're not reliable enough because you just can't control it. 
Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it's a couple of, couple of things like what you said there. One, uh, what happens in this industry for the, 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 the hosts that haven't got like the reliance, you know, I, I figured this out several years ago and I've been working on it ever since and continue to work on it. But there are so many people that will listen to this today and they'll go, right, I need to do something about it. And then before you know it, it's like March, April, and bookings start to pick up again. And then, you know, all of a sudden the calendars are full and money's coming in. So they think, oh, well, I'm not doing anything about that. And then it's only the winter periods where you start seeing people screaming yeah. out for direct bookings because they're just so lazy and rely on the OTAs to fill their calendars in the peak season, which... In all fairness, I could probably teach my 10-year-old son how to list a property on Airbnb and fill it in the peak seasons. That's not a business. You know, the business is trying to fill it in the off-seasons and also in the peak seasons without the OTAs for more control. You don't always necessarily need more money. I would take a nine grand direct booking over a nine grand Airbnb booking every day because that nine grand, even if I was paying out, in fact, I'd take an eight and a half grand booking rather than a nine grand Airbnb booking because I can control the eight and a half grand. If he turns around me and says there's a spider in the bath, I say, no worries, send some around to get it. No, I'll just move you into another property and the host will have to pay for that. And by the way, we'll take money off them. So I think there's like, that's what people need to really understand is you can actually take less, but it's about the control of your business long term. And like, you can't just build a direct booking website and expect direct bookings to come flooding in. You also then need to get the traffic to it, get the right traffic to it. But when the traffic's there, converted you know obviously you know because of trust because of i practice accreditations because you have you know stay covers because you've got you know various different things that tell a guest you can book with us with confidence just like you can with the otas yeah. but maybe you get these extra benefits or that extra benefit so there's just some reason why they should book with you and people are i think missing that trick like you know they think oh i'll just get a a direct booking site from my channel manager, which is free with the channel manager. The sites, you know, don't know disrespect the channel manager. They're shit. They have no trust signals on. They're not converting language. They're not, you know, some of them are easy to book, fair enough, but, you know, they're not SEO friendly. They're not, you know, there's so many things about them that if if, if you just rely on that, you're just going to end up getting fed off OTAs because you're not going to get no, any they don't, they don't build confidence do they and I mean that's one of the that's one of the problems that people that most guests have when they come away from an OTA you know as soon as you you know OTAs are well used and they send thousands and thousands of bookings to property managers all over the world every day and month for a reason right but I've said it on many times on different on your podcast and on other podcasts that you have to understand that an OTA is like when they're sitting around the board, their own boardroom table, mm. they've sat there, they're intelligent people, okay? They'll sit there going like, what do we control here in this in the, in the stakehold? And they'll say, D -d 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 we'll ask the question, do we control the property? No. All right, okay. Do we control the, the company that owns the property? No. So what do we control? We need to understand what we, how we're gonna build this business if we don't know what we control. We control the guest. Yeah. Ah. Ah, okay. So we don't need to worry about that and that. We need to worry about what we can control, which is the guest. So what do they do? They home in on the guest, making sure that the guest is satisfied, the guest trusts in the platform. So it's all about bringing that guest trust and confidence to the table. And that's why people continue 
to go to Airbnb, Booking.com, VRBO, Expedia, and say, I'm going to book. And yeah. it's no point telling people, come and book with me and I'll give you a 20% discount. Because that's just like, I wouldn't pay 20% less if I didn't trust the person. I'm not going to sit and I'm not going to sit and be stranded out on the street on a fake rental or a fake business or, you know, something going wrong. And I've got nobody to call just because I decided to pay 20% less. I mean, my wife would kill me. I, th I think if you've got the right, if you've got the right trust signals and the right business model, just, yeah. you, you don't need to discount anything to get the booking. That's what I mean. That's that the whole point. Over the line itself. You know, they, if someone's confident enough to book with you, prices, I don't think price well, comes anyway, you know. Listen, trust has a trust is a currency. Yeah. Trust has a trust has a price. People use trust in every walk of life. You know, whether you're going to fly EasyJet or John's planes to get to Ibiza, who are you going to go with? John's planes is, is the same price. I'm not going with John. I don't even know who John's planes are. You know, so they don't, so you just don't go. So you've got to be able to build like, and that's why brand trust, brand. Confidence and reputation is important when you're building a direct booking business or a short-term rental hospitality business using Airbnb as a channel, because that's what it is all about. It's about if you want to come into the short-term rental space, your focus should be building a hospitality brand and using Airbnb, Booking.com, Expedia, all of these OTAs as marketing channels to help grow the business. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got to be building your own business, building your own brand, building your own reputation, looking to convert OTA, um, you know, OTA rentals into direct booking clients. And too many people just aren't doing that. They're not, they're not looking at it as a, as they're relying far too much on the, on the OTAs and not working on their own brand. And I think, you're, you've proven it as like Luke Stairs when you can say like just prior to COVID you were probably like really heavily reliant on on uh, on Airbnb and Booking.com and then all of a sudden as the COVID years kind of transitioned and you started to look at trust marketing and looking at your website better all of a sudden then three years of hard work of like using Airbnb and Booking.com but to your advantage. Yeah. And not the other way around. And I think that's why you've, if you want to succeed in 2023, which is what this, what this podcast today is all about, it's about looking to get control of the business and looking to build your own hospitality brand. Mm -hmm. And that way you're going to have a business because you're not reliant. You've got the control of your own business and that can take some, some, some time, but you know, Rome wasn't built in a day. And I think people have got to understand that as well. You know, building a brand takes time, especially in this game. Short-term yeah. rentals, it does, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of noise out there as well. You've got to, you know, you've got to punch a lot. You know, there's a lot of good companies out there. There's a lot of people, why that? Why you should book with them and, you know, not you. And, you know, you've got to really try and, it's hard to separate yourself because everyone's businesses are quite similar. Mm. Um, but you just got to try and get that extra nudge. But, I think the main thing is there's so many strategies you can be pulling behind the scenes that 
it doesn't really matter what your competition are doing, you know, if, if you've got that guest database, if you've got that, you know, um, leads coming from Google onto your website rather than from the booking channels where they're seeing other people's properties first and, you know, even just the phone, just picking the goddamn phone up and ringing people is probably the best diet button strategy. And, you know, and it's just, but again, it's systems and processes around all that to be able to just rinse out those, you know, those bookings. And, um, you know, we've had, you know, we've also got now where we've built great relationships with these, you know, traveling contractors in the UK that, oh, we're, we're off to Liverpool next. What have you got there? Oh, we're mm. off to so-and-so next. What have you got there? And they just kind of travel with us as long as we've yeah, got... because they trust you. Yeah, because we've got the properties <laughs> and the locations, but... But, but they don't... They know they could go to Liverpool and find somebody. Yeah. And probably but, cheaper. Yeah, but, like I said, all the, like I always say... It's like once once you've built that trust with somebody, they're not going to break it. Mm. They don't want to break it over over money over this. They want once they've found somebody who can deliver. Yeah. Well, then then that's the game because they will follow you. They will say, "Oh, can you help me? Or can you recommend? Or can you you know can you support us with this? You know, or do you know this company? Can you help us decide whether?" All of a sudden, you've built that trust. It's all about trust. I've never I can't say it enough. But if yeah. you're not working on trust as a strategy, then you're never going to build a business in, in short-term rentals. Not only because you're not going to get the guests, but also all property owners aren't going to trust you with their real estate. Yeah, I was going to say, for the ones that are in property management, you know, listen to this, it flips the other way as well. And, you know, you've got to get, because, you know, you get an owner, you know, you know, I've got so many portfolio landlords that I met right at the beginning and took one property off them and now got multiple off them because... <laughs> You know, the first phone call is, well, I've got tenant come out of that. Let's ring Ryan because we know they deliver. We know they pay every month. We know that they, you know, whatever, or if it's a managed, we've, I've even got some landlords now who wanted to do the rent to rent strategy with me. And now they actually want to do property management because they want a bit more spoiled. And it's fine. You know, it's like either way, we're doing business together and we're continuing to, to work on that relationship and build that relationship. So, you know, I've even had owners who, came out of the market, stopped buying property because they were so sick of tenants trashing them and this and that and the other, make no money. But now they've worked with us for a few years, they've started buying property again, but then they ring us and say, where's the best place to buy for short-term rental? You know, and, and then they know that they've got a guaranteed tenant afterwards or that they can potentially earn some more income if they just let us manage the property. So, but that again all comes down to, you know, as I said, like building that trust, working with them, building the relationships and just proving that, you deliver time and time again. And well, that's, where, that's I mean, that's my opinion on anything. I mean, listen, when I started off and I was talking about, I mean, brand, brand is the buzzword today, but 20 years ago, it was reputation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just look at brand as reputations. What, what do you have? What's your reputation? That's really yeah. what your brand is. And if you can have, if you have a reputation to deliver, then, and you do deliver, then that's all that counts. Because you can say anything you want, right? You know, like we say, a good salesman can get you a booking, okay? Mm. A reputation will keep you a client. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So you've always got to be looking at, don't worry too much about, I mean, of course, you've got to get the booking. But once you've got that booking, you've got to show that person, that guest, that you what you stand for is everything, that you've told them that you stand for. So you can't say we do this, we do that, we do that, we do that. And then when they arrive, you don't do any of that. It's like, mm. wait a minute, they've just 
completely just sold me here. They've yeah. sold me saying that they do this, 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 and this. We've stayed with them. They do none of that. We're not going back. We're not going to refer. We're not going to recommend. That's it. We're done. No trust, no confidence. It's finished. So you've lost. You haven't got, you've lost in the, in the whole deal. You've got that booking. They're not coming back. They're not going to recommend you. So you have to work on your brand reputation, your trust, your confidence as a brand. And that's all done through touch points. You know, you, we talk about trust signals on websites. You've also got touch points through your customer journey. Mm-hmm. So like at what point your customer arrives in your property? I saw something you posted online the other day. I think you had, I think you just had some numbers or something designed. Yeah, like flats and stuff like that for the door. For the, you know, that's, that's a touch point. Yeah. Right? Now, so many people will think, oh, I'm not having that. But that is, a, the, the guest's going to arrive at that door, right? First thing he's got is a branded Luke Stairs number on the door. That's nice. They're going to walk in and you've got them cushions with Luke Stairs on the, oh, that's not, they're, they're called touch points. Yeah. So, so you've got trust signals on your website, which is important because that's, that's um, digital. That's like yeah. virtual. So you need that to get the booking. But then you've got to use your touch points. It's like, how, how are you communicating and like servicing that client when they're in your, you know, they're in your property? So it's yeah. things like when they open the fridge and there's that bottle of wine and go, enjoy a glass of wine on us, Luke stays. That's yeah. a touch point. That's a touch point. It's not somebody opening the fridge and go, oh, we need to go shopping. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a difference. So it's all about, it's all about service and building that kind of reputation where they don't want to go anywhere else. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I think we've uh, we've probably covered quite a bit. I know there's plenty of uh, there's plenty of questions on Facebook. I'll I'll, I'll actually answer them in the. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll do some text commenting on those uh, comments, and uh, quite a lot we can't get through. But um, hopefully, it's been beneficial as always, Chris. Absolute pleasure to have you on, buddy. And um, I've enjoyed the show. Then you know, give us a like, give us a share, and give us some feedback as well. But any more comments that anyone's got, just if you are watching live on the Facebook, just pop them below, and we'll get them answered. Um, And we'll be back again soon. Pleasure. Take care, buddy. All right. Thanks, Ryan. Cheers, bye.